0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Uh, Take your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. We're in a new sermon series called Daring to Believe. And during this sermon series, uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of things. The first thing we saw was that when you dare to believe in God, to have that faith that God is with you, uh, that, that God is on your side, dare to believe. The second thing that we talked about last week was dare to grow, that in your life you, you get closer to God, you dare to have that, that, that strength to get closer and to learn more about God. And today we're going to be talking about daring to serve, daring to serve. Has anybody ever been in a store before and thought the person working there really didn't want to be there? (laughs) Have you ever been working before and thought, I really don't want to be there? I mean, we've all been in that situation at one time or another. Uh, Here's a a few things that I think people weren't doing their best on the job here. Uh, Here's the first one. I showed this in the first service and one of the teenagers said, is Asia spelled wrong? And I said, no, geographically challenged, that's Africa, not not Asia. All right, here's the next one that we see here. Uh, if you can't read that, the job is well done. I don't think that it was. Uh, the third one, uh, you see here, if, if you're not a superhero fan, that is not Batman. Okay, that's not Batman. And then the one I like the best is this one here. I really think you're just kind of mailing it in if that is the best that you can do. Now, I showed you those because sometimes we wonder how serious people are about their work, about their service. And then we look at the church and we hear statistics like 15 to 20 percent of the church does 80 to 85 percent of the work in the church. So basically, you have a very few people doing everything that's done in the church. And yet God put the church together uniquely where each person has a role to play in the church. And if we're not doing that, then the church is less because of it. God has thoroughly equipped the church for every good work. The problem is only two out of ten members are using what God has equipped them to do. And so the church is much less because of it. So we're going to look at a story over Matthew 14 today. It's usually not one that you use when you think of service, but I think after we get into it, you'll see why we're going to look at it. Matthew 14, beginning with verse 13. The background's real important. John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus, uh, he was a good friend of Jesus, and he was a ministry partner with Jesus. John the Baptist has just been beheaded, and Jesus has just heard the news that John was beheaded. And after Jesus hears the news, he tells his disciples, let's get out of town. Let's get away from here. I just want to clear my mind. I just want to think about these things. uh, What's going on, where God is leading. Let's just get out of town and get away from everybody. So they get in a boat and they take off for a deserted place where they can just be alone. And that brings us to the first thing that we, we see. And that's this. True service to God begins with seeing a need and wanting to help. True service begins with seeing a need and wanting to help. Look down to chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When he heard about John being beheaded. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he began to heal their sick. So let's get the picture of what's going on here. Jesus and his disciples get in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and they take off to go to a deserted place. Now, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, you know that you can see quite a ways around the shore. It's not a huge uh, lake. And so when the the people see Jesus on the boat, they literally begin to run along the shoreline trying to keep up with Jesus in the boat. And so when Jesus and the disciples land in what they think is going to be kind of an isolated place, there's a big crowd waiting for them. Now, you can imagine the disciples' reaction. My goodness, can't they leave us alone for five minutes? We just want to get away. And yet Jesus had a different reaction We're told that he got off, saw the crowd, had compassion upon them, and began to heal them. The first thing that we need when it comes to serving God and doing what God has called us to do is, first of all, we need to see a need and be passionate about that need. Jesus was with this crowd. We're told he had compassion on them. Over in Matthew just chapter 9, verse 36, just a few chapters before, Jesus saw a similar crowd and he said they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus looks at this crowd and he says, my goodness, these people are so desperate. These people are so hurting that they would literally run around the lake into a deserted place where there's nothing else around just because they are so hoping that I can do something for them. And so he took compassion upon them and he began to heal them. So the first point of service is seeing a need and wanting to do something about it. And the same is true today. I think that when it comes to us finding our, our need and our place of ministry, we have to see, first of all, where is our passion? I think we often mix that up. Generally, somebody joins the church or they become a Christian, and the first thing we do is give them a spiritual gift survey. And we say, okay, we're going to give you this spiritual gift survey. And then when it's over, we'll find out where you're gifted or talented, which I would think most people know already. And then we'll find a place where we need that gift or talent. I think we've got that all mixed up. The first thing we need to find out is where are people passionate? What are they passionate about? Because God's going to use your passion first and foremost. And then your passion, you're going to find that God's going to have gifts and abilities for you to fulfill your passion. So I think the passion is the first thing we need to see. So then the question people have is, well, where do I find my passion? Obviously, Jesus got off the boat, saw this crowd, was concerned and caring. They were hopeless and helpless, and he had compassion on them. That was his passion, people who were hurting. Where is your passion? You can find it in two different ways. First of all, you can find your passion by asking yourself the simple question, what excites me? What gets me going? What do I really like to talk about? When I think about God, when I think about the church, when I think about our community, what really excites me and gets me going? Because that's probably going to be one area of your passion that God's leading you in. It's just going to be something you're interested in, that you like, that you care about, that you want to know more about, that, that when you walk by and you see it taking place, you get all excited. So ask yourself that first question is, what, what am I excited about right now? What, where's that passion? But I think God also uses passion in kind of a different way, too. What are things about God or the church or whatever that annoy you? Do you ever think about it that way? What's annoying you about it? Because maybe God is using some holy annoyance there. And what what he's doing is he's saying, hey, the reason you look at that and it irritates you and you think something needs to be done about it is because I've made you passionate about it and I want you to do something about it. And so sometimes God will use excitement and sometimes God will use annoyance. So what are the things that are annoying you that maybe God is saying, hey, this is where God is leading. This is what God wants me to do. Seeing a need and wanting to help. The first thing, though, is opening our eyes. What are the things that are getting you going and exciting you? What are the things that are annoying you? What are those? Open your eyes. See that need. When you begin to see the need, then God will start using you in the way that he has called you to do in the first place. Uh, Probably most of you know, Tim Tebow is kind of on an ill-fated attempt to make Major League Baseball. And uh, it's been real interesting, two stories that happened in just the last week or so. The first was he'd been signed by the New York Mets uh, to play minor league baseball. And he was going from Atlanta to Phoenix to play in the Arizona League with the Mets. On the airplane, a man had a heart attack. And immediately the stewards and the stewardesses responded very professionally. They found a couple of healthcare professionals on the plane, a doctor and a nurse. They began to work on the man. Actually, got started an IV on the man. But the man's family was was very upset. They were crying. That whole section of the plane was obviously upset and wondering what was going on. And that's when Tim Tebow walked down the aisle of the airplane gather the family and the whole end of the airplane together and begin to calm them down, talk to them, and have a prayer with them. Now, that is someone simply seeing a need and feeling like he needed to do something about it. That's how God's going to work often over and over again. He's going to, you're going to see a need and feel like I need to do something and God's leading you then to do that. I wonder how many people on that plane saw the need but didn't think they were the ones that needed to do anything. But Tim Tebow did. So he gets to Phoenix, Arizona. He plays his first game a couple of days later, and it, it was not didn't go well. He was 0 for three in batting, and he ran into the outfield wall and about knocked himself out. Okay, so so it wasn't so not the greatest day in the world for for Tim Tebow. When suddenly a man in the crowd has a stroke and falls over and Tebow leaves the field, goes over to the man, holds his hand and prays with him until medical professionals can come and the man is revived again. Seeing a need and feeling like he needed to do something about it. That's exactly what's going to happen in your life. There will be times that God's going to show you need that either excites you or annoys you or whatever or just presents it to you. And God then wants you to step out and do something about it. Service begins with seeing a need and wanting to do something about it. That brings us to the second thing that we see. When we see the need and God is motivating us to step forward, then you just need to use whatever gifts and resources you have to step out and do that. Let's see what happens in our scripture passage with the disciples in verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Now, the disciples immediately saw a need. The need was they're out in a desert place. They're, you know... There's no uh, White Castle or anything around, and they don't know how these people are going to eat. And so they say to Jesus, they've got to be getting hungry. They've been here all day long, so our solution is tell them to go back home and get something to eat. Okay, so that was their solution. Now, they saw the need. The issue was they didn't see themselves as part of the solution. And that still happens to us today. We see needs, but we don't think we're part of the solution. Uh, somebody else ought to do it. So we see something that happens, and we go, "Man, I'm passionate about that. I wish somebody at church would do something about it." You know, or we see that you know, uh, you know that person's been in the hospital all week, and nobody from church has visited them. I've been waiting all week for somebody from church to visit them. Well, maybe you were supposed to have visited them. Uh, maybe a fellowship is over downstairs, and you look around and go, "Man, this fellowship hall is a mess after that." After that. Time we got together. I hope some people stay after and clean it up because I want it ready when I show up the next morning for Bible study or something like that. And so we see need, but we don't think we're the solution to the need. That was what the disciples were doing here. Okay, they're obviously hungry. Send them away. I'm here to tell you more times than not, if God has motivated you to see need, it's probably because he wants you to do something about it, not complain about it or blame somebody else for it. And so he's calling you into those areas. So the next thing we see as we look into our scripture is, okay, so often we look at this and we see the need. We don't think we're the solution. But the next thing that happens is often we don't think we have enough resources or anything in the first place. Often what we have doesn't seem like it's enough. I can't do anything about the need. That's where the disciples are. Let's look what happens in verse 16. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So the disciples said, okay, they're hungry, send them back to town, let them get something to eat. And Jesus said, why send them back to town? You give them something to eat. Now the disciples think about what Jesus said, and their answer is, we don't have the resources to meet this need. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, or the disciples tell Jesus, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Now there's about 10,000 people that are there that day. 10,000 people. They've got five loaves of bread and two fish. The disciples are probably also thinking, there's 13 of us, and we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. I get a sixth of a fish and a third of a loaf of bread. I'm going to be hungry myself, let alone feed 10,000 people with it. It's impossible. We don't have the resources. That's another thing we often say today. So the first thing we say is, hey, it's not my problem. It's somebody else's problem. The second thing we say is there's nothing I could do about it anyway. I don't have that gift. I don't have that ability. I don't have those resources. It's too big. It's above me. There's nothing that I can do about it. And so we begin to look at these things and say, there's absolutely no way I can help, nothing I can do to make a difference. A couple of years ago, uh, uh, several of us went to Haiti on a mission trip, and my whole family went. And and my daughter, uh, who is a very bright, intelligent beautiful young lady is not the most handiest person in the world when it comes to physical labor. Okay. She's definitely a, a girl's girl, you know, in, in those ways. And so she came to me right before we went to Haiti and said, dad, I don't know what I'm going to do. We're going to be drilling wells and, and uh, you know, putting roofs on buildings. And, you know, I, I think that's not really my, my set. you know, so what am I going to do be embarrassed all day long that I can't do anything? So I tried to encourage her and say, well, one time we built an entire church in Haiti. I had no skills at all, but I got everybody the water and set up the scaffolding. So there was something for me to do. And she said, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to set up the scaffolding. There's nothing for me to do. So we get there. And one of the things they wanted us to do was to paint uh, the school that that was in the town, Titian, where we were at. And uh, it was a church school that they were running, the only school in town. And we get there, and the principal of the school tells us, You know, uh, yeah, here's the paint and all that. We're so happy you're here. You know, we're kind of sad too because we used to have these beautiful cartoon murals on the walls and and, uh, they're all faded and gone and now we're just going to have paint. So it won't be what it used to be, but, you know, uh, we're just going to be glad the walls are finally painted. And Alyssa suddenly brightens up and says, Hey, I'm a great artist. I'll be glad to paint you murals on the wall. And they said, seriously? And she said, yeah. So they started getting her everything they could find, including eyeliner uh, uh, pencils, for her to do the walls because they had nothing that you could do that kind of stuff with. She painted all these beautiful cartoon murals on the walls. That's still the stuff they talk about today. They were bringing people by from the village to show them what she had done. She probably got more out of that trip than anybody else. She thought she had no gifts and abilities that God could use. But God says, see the need, respond to it, and I'll do more than you could ever imagine. That's all God is calling us to do. But sometimes we think we just don't have enough. But the thing we understand is it's not what we have that counts. It's our willingness to use it. It's our willingness to use it. Look down to verse 18. So the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, we have five loaves. A bread, two fish, it's not enough. And in verse 18, Jesus says this, Well, bring them to me. If you want to know the solution to the entire problem, you've just heard it. You see need, you respond with whatever gift and resource you have, even if it seems a little bit. And you take it to Jesus, and you will then become amazed at what Jesus will do with it. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Okay, take what you have, however small it may be. Bring it to me and let me show you what I'm going to do with it. The fact of the matter is there's not a person sitting out there this morning that is not called of God, gifted by God and given a passion by God. And when you begin to fulfill your passion. With your gift, it will mean that all the church comes together as one and we are thoroughly equipped as God said we were supposed to be. But when two out of ten people do something and the other eight sit back and expect to be waited on, it doesn't happen. Our church is is about to step out in some really mighty ways in this community and try to make a difference in this community. But it's not going to happen if just two out of ten of us do it. It's only going to happen when every individual says, I'm going to take whatever I have, no matter how small it may seem in my eyes, and I'm going to do exactly what verse 18 says, and I'm going to take it to Jesus and let him see what he can do with it. And when you do, you're going to be amazed at what God will do and what will happen. A lot of you all know the actor, Chris Platt. He's become like a superstar just overnight. He was in the Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic Park. He's in Magnificent Seven now. Well, he's, he's a strong Christian, has a couple of kids. He says his passion is his kids and children. He just loves children, loves his kids. Said if his kids get a cold, that he suffers more than they do. That he's just, he's just upset the whole time till his kids get over the sniffles or something like that. It just hurts him to see them sick at all or everything. One day, he lives in Seattle. He was driving by the Seattle Children's Hospital, one of the largest hospitals in the world. And he said it just suddenly popped into his mind. Think how I would feel if my child was in there with something seriously wrong with him. He said it would just break my heart. And then I looked at this huge, huge hospital and I began to think there are hundreds or thousands of parents in there right now with broken hearts and hurting children. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not. Chris Pratt is not a medical doctor. He has no skill to go in that hospital and do anything. But he has now devoted himself that once a week, every time he's in Seattle, he goes to that hospital and all he does is go room to room and visit the kids. And suddenly this Hollywood superstar walks into their room and the kids are overjoyed when they see Chris Pratt. He thought there's really not a lot I can do to help with a problem like this. Is Chris Pratt making a difference at Seattle Children's Hospital? Absolutely he is. All he did was take what he had and said, God, use it, and God's using it in a mighty way. God will do the same thing through your life. And that's the last thing we see and the most important thing you see. When you take what you have to Jesus, you're going to be amazed at what God's going to do. Keep reading down to verse 18 again. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So there's probably 10,000 people that were in this crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish. 10,000 people eat and they take up 12 baskets full of food. Now, for a lot of us, we would have said if we were the disciples, how come we've got to pick up the 12 baskets full of food? But what Jesus was saying is, look what I've just done. You brought a little. I've made it a lot. God doesn't expect every person in this room to go out and change the entire planet Earth. He expects you to take what he has given you where you are now to use it. And when we pull it all together, it changes the world. It changes this community. It changes this church. I had a teenager tell me last week, I saw them, they were walking through the pew after the first service, and I said, what are you doing? And they said, I can't believe the mess people make in these pews, and it just irritated me, and so I thought I'd go around and pick it up. Now, now, you can say, well, that's a teenager feeling annoyed and doing something that God has called, or you may want to take your trash with you when you leave. You know, you can look at it, look at it either way there, something like that. God is going to give you a passion, though, about something, annoyance or excitement. When you do it, God's going to use it for great things. You know, as we look into the future of this church, I am as excited as I've ever been. As a pastor of a church in my life, I believe the good things for this church are just starting. We've seen unbelievable things. We've gone from a potato field, a potato field, to on the busiest intersection of the city of Louisville. We've gone from meeting in the garage of a house with folding chairs to having uh, almost 10 acres and $10 million worth of facilities that we have right here right now. We have some of the most talented people in the city of Louisville. But we've got to start pulling all of that talent and using it for the glory of God. I remember when I was in Virginia, the, the, the town we lived in uh, had a welcome sign when you came into town. And I drove into town one day and man, it had been landscaped with all these beautiful flowers and everything. And I thought, man, that just looks beautiful. And when I at church at Wednesday night, I said, did y'all see the, 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 the area when you come into town? That looks great. And they said, oh, yeah, Donna did that, a lady in our church. And I said, seriously? And I said, yeah. I mean, Donna never, had never done anything at church. Well, she showed up that Wednesday night at church. I said, man, that was beautiful. And she said, well, thank you. And I said, Donna, let me show you something. I put my arm around her and I walked her out the door. And I said, look at the front of the church. Man, this is ugly. All of our bushes are dying. What if somebody that could renovate the whole front coming into the city could do that for our church? And I swear to you, she said, it never occurred to me. Never occurred. to me." Now, that's nothing wrong with her. It's just saying we need to start thinking differently. Well, guess what Donna went and did? She went and landscaped that whole front of the church. She actually got a lumber mill in church to pay for it (laughs) and came in and started doing everything. And, man, it is beautiful to this very day. She is passionate about that. And it's made a difference. God has given you a passion and gifts that will make a difference for this church and for this community if we'll only use it. A little is a lot if God is in it. You know, there was a teacher in Alvin, uh, Texas, by the name of uh, Maria Munez, And Maria contracted cancer at a very young age. And uh, they told her students she only had a couple of days to live. Her students didn't know what to do. This was a public school. And so her students walked after school over to her house. And they stood out in the yard. They joined hands. And they started singing the worship song, Oceans. And they opened the window, her mom did, where Maria was lying on the bed. And Maria turned her head towards the window, smiled, and closed her eyes. And when the song was over, Maria had gone to the Lord. They were a bunch of teenagers that didn't have a lot they could give, but they gave what they had, and it made a difference. God has given you special gifts and abilities and passion that make a difference for his kingdom, not for this church, for the kingdom of God that will transform people's lives if we will just use them. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us and you call us and you equip us. Father, help us to step out with faith and to dare to serve you. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.